Suffering is a natural part of human life. From the first moment of uh, a person's life until the very last moment when they take their last breath, suffering is just part of the normal human experience. Uh, it's throughout a person's lifetime, they experience pain and heartache and suffering and disappointments. Why is there suffering in the world? Why do bad things happen to good people? Perhaps some of you have asked yourself that question, or maybe you have heard other people ask that question. Why is there suffering in the world? I can give you a theological explanation. I could talk to you about um, suffering as an effect of the fall of original sin. Uh, we weren't supposed to suffer, but it was because of the fall of Adam and Eve that sin and suffering and all these other effects entered the world. But I suspect when someone's asking, why is there suffering in the world? They're not looking for a theological explanation about why they're suffering, but rather I think they're seeking sympathy or empathy, someone to empathize with them. Because it seems whenever there's suffering or pain or disappointments in life, it seems like we're left all alone. Uh, it seems like we've been abandoned. But that's simply not true. Jesus tells us in today's gospel, Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. The Lord is with us in the midst of that suffering. In fact, the Lord gives us suffering. He works through the effects of sin to help us on the way to salvation. We can see suffering and disappointments in life as a stepping stone towards heaven, a stepping stone towards eternal life. It's a little known secret of the spiritual life that suffering is necessary for eternal life. We must first go through the cross and through suffering to enter into heaven. Uh, and we live in a world that tries to mitigate suffering, eliminate or limit suffering as much as possible. Uh, take, this, take this medication or this pain reliever. It'll, it'll lessen your pain, your suffering. And yet, if we see suffering through a lens of Christianity, through the Christian perspective, we see a redemptive aspect in suffering. Uh, and so the Lord gives us suffering, and he, he reveals suffering as a, as a way to work out our salvation, as a way to prepare ourselves for eternal life. And he reveals these secrets of heaven to the little ones, as Christ tells us in today's gospel, he says, Jesus says, for all those, these things, the secrets of heaven, although these things have been hidden from, hit, hidden from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the little ones. Some biblical translations say they have been revealed to the childlike. Why to the little ones? Why not to the wise and the learned? Well, if you think about little children or babies, if they're suffering or if they're in pain, they let the whole world know by their screaming and wailing and crying. The little ones don't keep it to themselves. 
And that's what the Lord wants us to do. He doesn't want us to keep the suffering, the disappointments, the pain in our life to ourselves. That's what most mature adults would do. Uh, they would they'd try to put away, uh, put off to the side the suffering in their life rather than to share it. And the Lord wants us to share the suffering with him. We think about a couple examples, such as a young child falling off their bicycle and scraping their knees and elbows. Who is the first person that they run to? It's either their mom or their dad. They want them, they want their parents to take away that, that source of suffering. Or if a, if a young person uh, touches a hot stove and they burn themselves, they immediately run to mom or dad, hoping that they can take away the sting or the painful sensation they feel. This is what the Lord wants us to do. This is why he's revealed the, the secrets of heaven to the little ones rather than the wise and the learned. Because the wise and the learned are self-sufficient. They like to be independent, uh, you know, caring for themselves. But it's actually the humble that the Lord is pleased with. And so he wants us to uh, turn to him, to share our disappointments, our sufferings with him. The Lord gives us suffering in this life as a rung on a ladder to heaven. Uh, Suffering helps us to be closer to heaven. Even though in that uh, moment of darkness and that pain and that suffering, it seems like we're all alone, we're abandoned. It's actually in that moment that the Lord is closest to us. And so he gives suffering as an assistance, a help, for us uh, as we draw closer to eternal life. But he also gives us the Beatitudes. I think it's beautiful. One of the Beatitudes he gives us uh, uh, during the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the land. There's two parts to that, the meek and inheriting the land. Jesus is meek. He's childlike. It's the little ones in today's gospel who are meek. Jesus says in today's gospel, Come to me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. The word meek isn't a common word we use every day. Uh, What does meek mean? It means someone who's gentle-hearted, docile, flexible, someone who's allowing themselves to be led and guided and directed and taught by the Lord or through certain events in their life. There's a Dominican theologian, and he was also the theology doctoral advisor to St. John Paul II. His name is Father Gergru Lagrange, and he would say that humility is the root of all Christian virtues, and meekness is its flower. So in other words, humility lays that foundation, and off, once that foundation of humility is laid, then we can build up uh, with that beautiful quality of, of meekness. To be, <clears throat> to be meek in life means to take the back seat rather than the driver's seat and to tell the Lord, take me where you want to go. I'm allowing you to direct me, to guide me. Whatever your will is, whatever your plan is in my life, I will go. And so when suffering comes along, 
uh, we can receive those things in humility, humble and meekness of heart. Sufferings are received in gentleness. We know that there's uh, a multitude of sufferings and disappointments we have experienced in the past and we will continue to experience. Our Christian faith professes the death of these human bodies. The human body that we are in today, they will fail, they will die, but the spirit is immortal. Our souls will outlive our bodies. This is what St. Paul speaks about in the second reading today. He says, You are not in the flesh, brothers and sisters. On the contrary, you are in the spirit. If the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. Because we have each been baptized at the font of baptism and received that sacrament, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And it's this same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus on Easter Sunday that's going to raise us when we take our last breath and enter into eternal life to the resurrection. And we hope, and Jesus promises us, that if we remain faithful, we will experience the resurrection of the life. We, were, we will receive a new, glorified, perfected body in eternal life. These bodies we have now, they turn to ash. That's what we celebrate every Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. You are dust, and unto dust you will return. And so as we gather here to celebrate the Eucharist at this beautiful Mass this morning, uh, we receive the Eucharist as a promise, a promise of what's to come. The Mass is sometimes called a wedding feast. And the wedding feast, that image of a wedding, is an image of heaven. What we do here at Mass is what we will all be doing for eternity in heaven without end, which is gathering around the table as one holy, Catholic, universal family, celebrating Christ's redemptive suffering and death, It is Christ who defeated death. It's Christ who's taken captive captivity. The last enemy, St. Paul says, is uh, the last enemy to be defeated is death. So as we gather here at this Eucharist, the Eucharist is not so much nourishment for our physical bodies as it is nourishment and spiritual food for our souls to help us, to give us the grace necessary we need to each and every moment stay faithful until that last moment of our pilgrimage, when we take our last breath and pass from this side into eternal life, where that veil between heaven and earth is lifted.